Welcome to the Vital Dawn podcast for Monday, November 2nd. S&P futures are rallying about 40 points. That's about 1.2%. NASDAQ futures are up about 120 points. That is 1.1%. The major European indices are trading higher by 1% to 1.5%. There is a cyclical bias in Europe. So financials, chemicals, industrials, along with the German DAX are all outperforming the major indices. And Asia finished higher pretty much across the board as well. Uh, Japan doing Japan and Hong Kong both doing especially well. So a few moving pieces this morning. You know, I think a lot of it is is um, you know still relatively consistent with a lot of the trends that we've seen now for the last week or so. So I think the primary driver of the rally this morning is not so much any particular piece of news that came out Monday or over the weekend, but instead just a sense that um, you know the market could be just seventy two hours or 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 you know forty five days away from a lot of clarity on a lot of issues that have been overhanging sentiment, the most important of which obviously is the election, but you have a lot of other major catalysts this week as well, including a bunch of central banks, u s jobs report, possible news on vaccines. And then as soon as the election's over, you could you know, most likely will see a resumption of fiscal negotiations in Washington as well. Um, so the big piece of incremental news over the weekend was the UK lockdown, which obviously is negative. The UK um, the UK measures are relatively stringent, so similar to what France enacted on Wednesday. Um, you know, clearly not a positive, but I think at this point in time, you know, the UK is just the eighth country in Europe now over the last week to implement um, COVID mitigation steps. So I don't think markets are terribly shocked by the news this morning. Um, you know, clearly not not a positive. This will definitely weigh on on economic growth, at least in Europe, if not globally. Um, and it certainly will contribute to um, some minor incremental headwinds for S and P earnings. Although it's certainly not going to be a devastating blow. Um, but nevertheless, in terms of COVID, you continue to have you know a surge in cases. Um, you know, the U.S. is is approaching 100,000 cases a day on on certain days in the last several weeks. Um, and obviously, you're seeing stepped up mitigation actions in Europe. You have not seen, um, you know, aggressive mitigation steps in the U.S. that perhaps could change after the election. Um, but again, it's it's going to be done very much on a local basis, not on a, at a national one. Um, and I think I think too, the primary trigger for the mitigation actions is not so much cases as it is hospitalizations. And you have seen hospitalizations rise, although at a much slower rate than we've seen in the past. Um, you know, major areas such as New York City. The hospitalization numbers are, are relatively low, um, and that's just a function of, you know, I think improved treatments for um, COVID and getting patients out of the hospital faster, as well as, um, you know, a shift in, in the demographics of the current patient pool, which are younger and healthier than what you saw back in March and April. Um, so that is COVID. As far as the election is concerned, you had a ton of polls out um, in the last 48 hours all of them are, are relatively consistent, again, with kind of the trends that we've been talking about now for several weeks. Biden is still in the lead. His lead is is large and it's durable, um, which is in contrast to 2016, where Clinton's lead um, was collapsing at this point in time heading into the election. And it's also remember that you've seen a substantial number of votes already take place. Um, you know, so you're probably going to see over 100 million votes, um, 100 million ballots cast before Tuesday. Um, which is extraordinary. You're probably going to see the highest turnout rates in over a century in the U.S. Um, so a large part of the election is already done, um, which again is is favorable for Biden in that you have you know his poll numbers have been very um, strong over the last several days as early voting has taken place. Um, so again, I continue to think that Biden will win. 
Um, and I'm not looking for anything heroic other than him recreating Hillary's map from 2016, along with recapturing Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, Michigan. Um, he's polling very well in Michigan, Wisconsin and Michigan. His Pennsylvania lead is also solid. Um, depending on which poll you look, there were a million polls out over the weekend, anywhere from mid to upper single digits for Pennsylvania. That will be the single most important state in the entire race. Um, whoever wins Pennsylvania is most likely going to become president. It's must win for Biden and Trump. Um, Florida, which is probably the second most important state, is um, a must win for Trump, but not a must win for Biden. Um, there were a bunch of polls out of the weekend, certainly super tight in Florida. Um, a couple of polls, including one from the Washington Post, had Trump up two points. I would imagine Trump will take Florida um, along with Ohio, which is another crucial battleground. Um, in terms of timing, you know, again, that's less certain. Uh, I would suspect that you're going to have a great sense by Tuesday night or Wednesday morning. Um, you know, a, a senior Pennsylvania election official came out over the weekend, just said that they're not going to be able to count all the votes Tuesday night. Um, she said she doesn't expect them all to be counted by f until Friday. Keep in mind, though, that a lot of states are called before all of the votes are tallied in pretty much every election. No, no state has every single vote counted. Um, that does not prevent states from being called. Um, but obviously, you know, that does suggest the possibility, especially given the large number of absentee ballots that are being uh, cast this this cycle that, you know, Pennsylvania may not be able to declare itself, um, you know, until Wednesday or perhaps Thursday. Uh, the Senate is still a lot less clear than the presidential race. Democrats have an edge just given they are defending fewer seats. They have more money and they have sensibly some momentum down ballot from Biden's lead. Um, but again, it's very, very, very close in the Senate. Um, so to the extent that Democrats have an edge, it's not a very large one. Whoever does turn out to have the majority in the Senate, though, it's going to be tiny. Um, you know, so even a even a blue sweep, quote unquote, is not going to give Democrats necessarily the type of free reign that I think markets um, are suggesting. Um, again, it's going to be a very, very small majority, whoever takes it. So those are those are the main macro themes and topics. Um, again, I think the rally that you're seeing this morning is kind of just a sense that you could just see relief, um, regardless of what happens on any of these fronts by Friday, um, just as you come through a ton of uh, big catalysts. There was an encouraging article on Bloomberg just talking about how the UK and the, U, uh, the UK and the EU are, are perhaps nearing a compromise on uh, this issue of fishing, which has been a major stumbling block in the Brexit negotiations. Again, I don't think Brexit matters at all for the US. Um, it really doesn't matter much for anything other than the UK specifically at this point in time. Um, nothing new on the vaccine front, but again, you could be, um, you know, according to Pfizer's comments from its recent earnings call, they could have preliminary phase three data out, um, you know, perhaps as soon as the end of this week. And then Moderna should be out by the middle of November or the end of November. And then you'll have AstraZeneca and Johnson Johnson towards the end of this year. Um, so that clearly, obviously, is a very important catalyst. And I think that's preventing markets from selling off too severely based on you know the spike in COVID and, and the increased mitigation actions, as you just have in the, in the back of people's minds, um, the sense that there could be you know, a positive vaccine headline that would obviate a lot of uh, the anxiety that, that, that is being generated from COVID trends at the moment. Um, earnings season, you are well past the peak of the calendar Q3 earnings season. So you have all the major themes and trends are very much known at this point. You do have a couple more larger companies that are going to be posting numbers. 
Um, but it's largely and it's kind of largely in company specific territory at this point in time. So you have a bunch of other names out this week. Um, there will be a big focus on travel and leisure stocks. So a lot of hotels. Um, you have Uber this week as well. Those are going to be most sensitive to what you've seen on COVID and mitigation. So it will be interesting to hear um, remarks from you know a, a Marriott or an Uber just in terms of linearity if they've seen a softening in trends in the last several weeks into the month of October and then, and then uh, into early November, just given what has occurred on uh, the COVID front. But like I said, I think it's largely company specific. Um, you, know, you have all of the Q3 earnings trends known at this point in time. It was statistically a very strong season. So again, 85% of companies beating by um, you know 17% approximately on earnings. You have the 2021 consensus pretty much at $170 at this point in time. Um, and again, that's really before any further upside from uh, vaccine or incremental fiscal stimulus. So you know, very encouraging um, calendar Q3 earnings season. I think markets have largely ignored it, just given that there is a sense that COVID could create fresh headwinds and weigh on growth and earnings in Q4 and beyond. Um, but again, as of the end of Q3, corporate America had been performing very well. Um, and just quickly on, on fiscal stimulus, uh, you know, I think once you get the election out of the way, you know, perhaps even on Wednesday, to the extent you know the outcome, um, I think you're going to see fiscal fiscal stimulus negotiations resume relatively quickly. I know McConnell spoke last week and said that he does not anticipate taking up another bill until the new Congress gets sworn in in January. Um, but I suspect that, you know, you could actually see some action occur, um, you know, perhaps as soon as the end of this month, even if it's on a piecemeal basis. I think the politics of passing fiscal stimulus become infinitely less controversial and complicated once the election is out of the way. Um, so that is everything in terms of major news. Um, just looking out for the calendar for today specifically, you have the USISM at 10 a.m. and then you have a bunch more earnings, uh, all of which I have detailed in the piece this morning. Um, and then just for the week, again, you obviously have the election, you have a bunch of central banks, so the BOE and the Fed are both on Thursday. You have the RBA tonight, the BOE and the RBA are both expected to increase quantitative easing. Um, the Fed is not supposed to take any major action on Thursday, although you could see suggestive remarks from Powell. You do still have some uncertainty around asset purchases. There was an article in the journal talking about how the Fed over the next couple of meetings could articulate a strategy whereby they're going to begin biasing their purchases toward the longer end of the curve. Um, I think that's you know largely the consensus expectation, but that is certainly one final jolt that the Fed could give to markets um, as they provide, again, just clarity around asset purchases. Um, and then, yeah, again, you have a, another busy week of earnings, but the volume of reports is certainly much, much less than it has been. Um, and we're kind of winding down this earnings season. So that is everything for today. Thank you for listening.